I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden with The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Laura Gassner Odding who is, amongst other things, an author, a serial author of incredible books. But this book is her newest book that you have to pre-order right now, and it's called Wonder Hell. And we get to get a nice little preview directly from Laura. I absolutely adore her. She is one of the rare people that I have on a second time because she is so motivating, so lovely. And uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. So Laura, just to give you a little preview or a reminder about her. So she is kind of a serial entrepreneur in her own way. Uh, She started and sold a successful international executive search firm, built philanthropic and political action committees from scratch, and was a White House appointee on the team, which created the national service project called AmeriCorps. And she's not only, as I mentioned, an author of this book, but she has a few other previous books that did quite well too. And she'll dig into that, I'm sure, a little bit more. But the one thing that Wonder Hell really focuses on is digging into the question today of, have you ever accomplished something you weren't so sure you could do, only to start wondering what more you could do? We've all been there, right? For sure. Instead of hopefully feeling like you're totally satisfied, maybe you start to think, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. But Laura's going to talk to us a lot about how to actually take all of that energy and channel it into something else versus having a lot of doubt and anxiety and stress along with it. But Wonder Hell, as I mentioned, is a great, great, great read. And thank you, Laura, for being with us here today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for having me back. You know, I emailed you and I was like, do you ever have people on a second time? And I was like, oh, I hope she says yes, because I loved being on the first time. And it was such a great conversation. So I'm really excited for today. Well, super, super excited. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, even as uh, a couple of years go by and we've all gotten much better at uh, at the video and the audio and all those things. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to have you back for sure. So before we get into hearing about your terrific book, I'd love for the audience to hear a little bit more about your experience and kind of who is Laura. I mentioned a little bit in the intro, but I'd love to have you share a little bit about you know, what you've been up to over the last 30 years. Yeah. Well, so I, um, 
over the last 20 years in particular, I, I worked as a recruiter. I worked in an executive search and it was my job to call the most successful people in the world and recruit them away on behalf of my clients. So I was calling them because they were super successful, but they were all calling me back because despite all that success, they weren't very happy. And I became fascinated fascinated with this question of why success doesn't equal happiness. And what I realized is that probably for the 10 years prior, I had been thinking about it, but just not in this kind of organized way in my brain. And now since I sold that executive search firm to the women who helped me build it, I've just spent the last six years thinking about this question and researching this question, writing two books on this question now. I did a three-year uh, a three-year assessment research project starting from January 2019 all the way through present with like 6,000 responses from 74 different countries about what actually engages people in their work, helps them feel both successful and happy. So really everything that I think about is how do we get rid of this external definition of success that was handed to us by somebody else figure out what actually matters to us. And then when we go after the thing that actually matters to us, when we start to get it and it's really personal, why doesn't it feel better, right? Like how come all these moments, like what are the stages of success that either it doesn't feel like it fits us or once we get it, it's not right for us. And how do we actually find both success and happiness? Definitely. I, it, this feels like a... Uh... I bet you've had some dinner conversations or, or lunch conversations over this topic too, that it's like, you know, these, this seems like a moment when kind of you were feeling it yourself, uh, but you also started um, thinking back on many of the conversations you'd had with people and probably prompted other people to start to think about it along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's actually why I wrote the book. So after Limitless, my last book came out and it like debuted number two on the Washington Post bestseller list right behind Michelle Obama. I'd done the Today Show. I'm on an airplane and it's um I'm on a red eye. And like, I'm 52. Like I'm on too old for red eyes at this point. Like I take a red eye and I can't, I'm like exhausted for three weeks. But I was at an event where I was one of the speakers leading up to the main speaker who was Malala, like Malala, Malala. Friday afternoon. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. 
The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. My goddaughter's bat mitzvah is Saturday morning. I can't miss Malala. I can't miss the bat mitzvah. So like, I got to take the red eye. And my client had booked me on a beautiful lie flat, first class seat. Amazing. And then there were mechanical issues and they changed the aircraft. And I ended up on this like tiny little seat in the center with these two giant linebackers like snoring on my shoulders. And look, I mean, I know that sounds incredibly privileged and bratty, but like, 
you know, I travel for a living. So like if you're on a plane every single week, like that's a night of sleep every single week. So, um, I'm, I'm on the plane and I had just had this experience with, um, uh, where, where the book had come out and it was successful. And then I was like, that is amazing. It's exciting. It's humbling. It's wonderful. But also if I made number two on the Washington Post bestseller list, how do I make number one on the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times? Like I was on the Today Show. How do I get on Good Morning America? And who does Oprah talk to under the oak tree? Like she's got to talk to someone. Why not me? And so I started thinking about this question of like, if you can name it, you can tame it. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to name it so I could claim it. I was like, I was going to be undaunted, right? I'm going to like go for the thing. And then I was like, it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's, it's exciting. It's humbling, but it's also anxiety provoking and stressful and exhausting. And, you know, I, 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 who am I? Imposter syndrome, all of these things. It was amazing. It was wonderful, but it was hell. It was wonder Mm -hmm. hell. And so I, I decided in that moment that I was going to find a way out of it. So then I started talking to a hundred different people, glass ceiling shatterers, Olympic medalists, startup unicorns like you. Like I had these conversations hoping to find a way out of it. And then I learned from people like you, you don't find a way out of it. It turns out that the only way through it is to get through it. But on the other side of it is another one and another one and another one. Because every time we succeed at something, we see that new potential of what else we could be. And then it all starts all over again. Right. Well, and I think that you do have a choice, though. Like, I I think there are people who choose not to do that. And I think that's fine. But I think that the most successful people, what you're talking about, are you, it's consistent across the board. Absolutely. And, you know, the book is organized as an amusement park, right? This idea that, like, we think success is going to be fun. And then you get there and it's not so fun, right? It gets harder and it gets scarier and you get hungrier and the pace gets faster. Just like you think the amusement park is going to be fun. And then it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and you're like sunburned and dehydrated and like the corn dog in your stomach is threatening to make an exit on the ride for the roller coaster that you're waiting for. And you're like, everyone told me this is going to be fun. Like, why isn't yeah. this fun? So I organized it as an amusement park and it has three parts, Imposter Town, Doubtsville, and Burnout City. So the very first chapter of Burnout City is is the ride of the merry-go-round. There's 15 rides in the book, all basically emulating an emotion that we have while we're on this, you know, cyclical journey of wonder hell. And the first one in Burnout City is the merry-go-round where we decide Maybe I want to say no to hustle porn. Maybe I don't want to keep going. Maybe I don't want to like go faster and bigger and better and more. Maybe this is the time where I just stay where I am for a little bit and I can do the other things later, right? So it's not about like, can I do it all? It's just like, when do I want to do each of the pieces that I want to do? Right. No. And I love the way that you've organized that and it's, uh, it's terrific. So, so what surprised you most about the interviews that you did for Wonder Hell? I mean, what was kind of the thing that maybe you knew you were going to be writing this book, you were doing these interviews, but what, what really surprised you the most? What really surprised me, and actually I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to write the book. It's funny. I, I posted this thing from the airplane that I was telling you about where I posted this long screed about how I'm like 1,200 miles from where I'm going and 1,200 miles you know, from where I need to be. And somewhere between the blur that was yesterday and the blur that will be tomorrow is a spaceman right now. And the spaceman right now is 
not wonderful, it's wonder hell. And a bunch of people responded to that post, like a hundred people in the first five minutes it was up. And they were like, that's a great word. That's the feeling I have. I didn't know there was a word for that emotion. And then I did nothing with it for like nine months. And then the pandemic happened and suddenly we were all at home. So I, you know, went online every day, like to talk to my community and within like two to three weeks, I got pretty sick of my own voice. So I was like, I should talk to other people who are also sitting at home. And so I just started having these conversations and they all kind of ended up finding a way, like a gravitational pull to this moment where everything shifted in people's lives, right? This moment, wherever it was, somewhere on their path. And, um, then I started noticing that there were some themes around it. And eventually those themes became the book. But I, I kind of, I'd forgotten even about this post that I'd put long before. And as I'm having these conversations, Facebook memories, thank you, you know, Cheryl and Mark, hands me this post. And I was like, oh, that's the conversations I've been having. So I'd even forgotten that I'd, that I'd done this thing. So what surprised me the most was how universal all of these emotions are that when you're an entrepreneur, it's super lonely, right? Super mm -hmm. lonely up there. It's super lonely at the top, whether you're a CEO or entrepreneur, whoever, and you have success. It's not like you can go like complain about success to your pals because they're going to be like, what's wrong? Like everything's yeah. great. Like happy totally. marriage, successful business, healthy kids. Like what are you complaining about? And yet every time you see this next version of you that you can become, it creates this pressure inside of you. And so like, how do we, how do we complain about it? And so what I realized was that this idea of wonder hell was this kind of universal emotion that people, we just don't have a word for right now. And, and, and everybody that I talked to was like, yes, I think I'm in wonder hell too. And I was like, well, that's the conceit of the book because every one of us is somewhere between who we were yesterday and who we're becoming tomorrow. So we're all constantly in wonder hell. But this idea that in wonder how you're filled with imposter syndrome and doubt and uncertainty and insecurity and 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 exhaustion and burnout that everyone i talked to no matter their age or their stage still experienced it so Someone like Sally Krawcheck, who um, is the founder of Elevest, right? She has $2 billion under management. Yeah. She still has imposter syndrome and uncertainty and doubt. And I'm like, well, if she's got it, well, surely the Olympic gold medalists don't have it. And then I was like, well, what do you do? And they have the same thing where they're like, who am I when I'm not on the ski hill, right? And all of us have these moments. And I mean, I, the conversation that you and I had where you were like, I'm you know, running this beverage company and people are going to stores and buying them and suddenly nobody's going to the stores anymore. And how do I figure out distribution? And I have to like show up and drive the truck and totally. go to the target. And so just no matter how secure you think everything is, it can change tomorrow. And so this the universality of never being fully arrived it kind of horrified me and made me feel better all at the same time. But it was definitely surprising that I wasn't alone in this moment. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's interesting because I often talk to entrepreneurs who are just starting out and they say, you know, you probably can't even imagine these things that I'm going through. And I always, you know, kind of cut them off and say, you know, at every level, I mean, you talk about every Sally. Level. And at every level, there's always going to be these new challenges, right? And that's part of the fun of it, right? Yes. But but everyone thinks you figured it out. They're like, oh, well, but, Kara is successful. She's figured it out. She's fine. Everything's easy for her now. Totally. Hmm. And you have to, and I think you 
you have to enjoy the ride. You have to just keep, you know, trying to figure out exactly what's next and what can I learn from this situation and all of those things. So you have a story in Wonder Hell about turning down an offer of a lifetime. I'd yes. love to hear uh, yes. that. Um, very personal, but um, yes. but I love <laughs> I love uh, hearing that, or, or I loved reading all about that. Yeah. So. Um, I was about three years into running my search firm, as I wrote, and I got the call of most entrepreneurs' dreams. Like, hey, Laura, we've been watching you. We think you're up to good things. We'd like to buy your firm. And I was like, woohoo! And I literally was like, I was counting the money before I'd even hung up the phone. I was like, I made it. I did it. I, I, you know, I founded the firm. I built it. I'm going to sell it. Cool. And then I went to the um I, I went to the department store because I had to buy a pair of pantyhose. Like this is like a very blue chip firm. So I needed to like get dressed up and like wear the, you know, fancy little suit. And I don't think I'd wore a pair of pantyhose for like 10 years before that. I mean, I don't like, no, like one of the things about being your own boss, you don't have to wear pantyhose ever again. So I don't think I'd worn a pair of pantyhose for 10 years. And I'm standing in the department store. I remember I have like baby in one arm and like wrangling the toddler with the other while like with my elbow, I'm trying to like flip through the pantyhose and like to figure out the, 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 um, the periodic table on the back to figure out like what size my postpartum booty is. Right. I was like, how am I going to figure this out? And I go home, I put the pantyhose on and I go down to the office and I walk in and the guy is like very conservative guy in like a blue pinstripe suit and he's got all these pictures with like presidents and you know people all over the wall and I'm like I don't this is like who who am I like I don't belong here and we're sitting at the table and he slides a piece of paper across the table at me like straight out of a movie and he was like I believe that it is time for us to take your little firm to the place where it can be to the heights that it can be and I look at the paper and it's a glass table and the folded piece of paper is there and I see below the folded piece of paper, my legs suffocating in their little pantyhose prison. And I was like, you know what? And I take the piece of paper and I slide it back across the table. And I'm like, I think I'll be the one to take my little firm to the place where it can be. And I walked out and I left. I didn't even open the piece of paper. Like to this day, I have no idea what that number was in the piece of paper. But I knew in that moment, I was like, if he sees that I can do this. And his giant research department, which is probably bigger than my whole firm, sees that this thing can be bigger and that there's potential and promise and possibility. Why can't I do it? Yeah, it's crazy. and But that takes a lot of courage. Or stupidity. I don't really yeah. know. But I was so offended in that yeah. moment. I was like, I put on pantyhose to be condescended to? Like, what? <laughs> What am I? Who am I? Right. And in that moment, I realized that my definition of success was this idea like you build it and you sell it and then you build the next thing and you're like, it was like bigger, better, faster, more like this whole hustle culture. And I realized that that wasn't why I'd started the firm in the first place. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I certainly didn't want to work for this guy during the transition period. Right. I was like selling my soul. Yeah. To the very first buyer, like what was I even thinking? It took a lot of courage to leave. I, I do regret not opening the piece of paper. I am curious. I'm still yeah, what curious it was, to this day, right. but I have no idea. Probably for the best. So ultimately, you ended up having your team take over the company, right? And how many yes. years later was that? Yeah. So that was around year three. And by year 10, I was like, okay, we've grown this company a hundred percent year over year for 10 years. Amazing. And I think I pretty much solved the puzzle every way it can possibly be solved. And I'm not, I'm, I, I committed 
kind of malpractice at year 10. I, I went in for a pitch that I was absolutely not prepared for. And I fancy danced my way to selling a pretty big project for our company that I had no business getting. I should not have been victorious in that pitch at all. And as I was in the elevator going back down to the lobby, I texted my my business partner and I was like, I think it's time for me to go. Like that was, there's a chapter in the book, um, again, all the rides in the book called the loop-de-loop. And I talk about Whitney Johnson and the S-curve where you're like at the bottom of the S-curve and everything's really hard. And then you get to the, you start climbing up the S and things get much easier. And then you get to the top of the S and you're like coasting. Well, I was at the top of the S for far too long. And then I started doing what she calls self-sabotaging. And that was definite self-sabotage. I mean, I got really lucky that that went well. I could have damaged my reputation. I could have damaged my firm. I could have damaged my people. Like that could have been bananas bad. And I, that was the moment I knew I needed to leave. So I texted her and it took five years to exit the firm, five years of you know, denial and negotiation and anger from everybody there. But eventually I did sell the firm to the women who helped me build it. And I'm proud of that uh, because the firm is thriving right now. I'm proud of it because the the sale of the firm meant that I had to convince them that they were able to run it without me, that me as the like moxie driven external person and them as the people who like I was telling everybody we were doing great quality work and they had to make sure the quality work was done that they knew that they could rise into a different kind of leadership that they hadn't had before and I'm proud that I built an institution and not a cathedral that it outlasted me and that that probably took more courage than anything else yeah so wonder hell is an invitation not a limitation but how do we change that voice that's telling us no more Like, we don't want to do that. I mean, I I think it goes in both directions, right? Like, I think that there's this balance that that we do have to find and only we really know. But I'm curious how, you know, what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think every time we achieve something, we hear a voice going, this thing has legs. Yeah, It could be more. It could be bigger, right? If only you sacrifice everything you are and everything you want to be to this thing. Like, yes. And so there's a voice in our head that's like, no, don't do it. Stop. You're an imposter. You're going to fail. Everyone's going to watch you. It's going to be embarrassing. And so we have this voice that's like, oh my God, I haven't done this before. And it's really about shifting that voice to understanding that the fact that we feel like we're nine toes over the edge of incompetency isn't, it, it's not the limitation. It's an invitation because it's actually a very helpful ally to tell Mm -hmm. us that we're on the right track. Like every time we feel, first of all, the word, like the term imposter syndrome is such nonsense, right? Like, oh, you're an imposter. You don't belong here. You should leave. Or you've got a syndrome. You must feel sick. Do you want to sit down, right? Like the gall of that term imposter syndrome in and of itself is ridiculous. Plus, obviously, like the great research that, that, that a lot of fellow women have done on on just the fact that we feel imposter syndrome because we're operating in environments that weren't built for us or made by us or led by us, right? So there's just so much garbage that's around them. But I think if we can change it to like, oh my God, I haven't done this before to, oh my God, I haven't done this before. And we see it not as I have to keep succeeding and succeeding, but really I have to keep exploring I have to keep Mm -hmm. learning. I have to keep innovating. And what I learn along the way may be that I want more of this and maybe that I want less of this. But every Mm -hmm. answer is the right answer as long as it's the answer for you. 
right? Mm-hmm. So we change, we, we, we can't get rid of the voice, but we can change how we interpret it and we can renegotiate our emotions that we have with it where we don't say, oh my God, this is so hard, but we go, this is an opportunity to learn. I'm so lucky that I'm in this place now where I'm getting to try these things because if I failed all of my, you know, if I survived all my failures so far, there's likely that I'm going to survive these, but I see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and get better and spend a lot of time figuring it out. So it's, it's, the 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 way we change it from that limitation to the imitation is really thinking about the emotions as a very helpful sign. Yeah, definitely. I you know, I think about my own experience too and I don't know if you know this about me, but when I left tech, I now look back on those days and I think I was just burned out. Yes. And I and I kind of wanted to experience uh, I had young children I want I didn't want to miss that yes. aspect and I didn't think I was going to be out of the workforce for this long but I was out for over 4 years and there were many people who had told me I could never get I'd been out for too long I mm-hmm. I was never going to be able to get back on track I was the youngest vice president um at America Online one of the only women in that position and they were like you just really screwed yourself yeah, like, they're when like, you left. Yeah. And what I realized too is that many of these people didn't know, right? It was their opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and many of them, the more experienced they were, the more higher level they were, I it bummed me out, right? That mm-hmm. I was I was hearing from them because they had credibility in my mind. But they yes. didn't know. They were they just didn't. like saying, I think you really screwed yourself. But, um, yeah. and then I started Hint. At, but not you know, only and- did they not know, they didn't know you, right? So like they had their totally. best interest at heart, but they didn't know your heart. They didn't know why you were doing it. So they didn't know what you were capable of and what you were going to come back with. So like, it, it's, they, they, they don't know anything. Like it's a lot of projection. Like they were afraid to leave. Yeah. And people are, people will project a lot of things and they don't really know for sure. But I mean, that's sort of my, uh, my own learnings. But when someone is burned out, um, but maybe they're, they're not really sure what to do, what would you say? Because I, I really do think it's not just about not climbing the mountain, but maybe not climbing the mountain again right now. Yeah. So when the pandemic hit, like a lot of people, I stopped sleeping. Mm-hmm. I just had a hard time. I don't know. It was a combination of like perimenopause and stress and teenagers, hormones in the house. I don't know. I just, I didn't sleep for like yeah. probably a month. I slept like an hour a night for a month. And and I and I began to understand why they um, deprive prisoners of war of sleep because it really does, it, it, it really does things to your brain. Like I, mm-hmm. I would try to cook dinner and I couldn't remember like how many teaspoons of salt from like looking at the cookbook to like going to the salt container. Like I just couldn't yeah. keep words and numbers in my brain. And I felt like I was damaging my brain. So I went to go see a psychiatrist because I was like, I think that I, I think I'm literally going crazy. Like I think something's happening inside my brain and I'm afraid that I'm forming new and very poor neural pathways that are not leading anywhere good. And he diagnosed me very, very quickly as being incredibly boring. <laughs> he was just like, there's nothing wrong with you. You have overachiever who cannot achieve right now complex. That is the problem you have right now, um, which is he basically said, so you're an overachiever. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hard worker. And he goes, yeah, well, we can work on that. And I was like, doc, I don't want to work on that. That's a feature. 
not a bug. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but it's untenable. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then he countered with the checkmate move of a lifetime, but you're here. <laughs> it was like, touche. And then he said something to me, incredibly profound that I actually quote in the book. He said, you know, Laura, you don't have to give the trophies back. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Wow. What? And he said, you have spent your life collecting trophies, achieving this, best of that, good grades here, great school there, right? Like how did, how prestigious is the job on my resume? He's like, you have achieved incredible things. And you are carrying around that like wagon of trophies. Have you ever seen that um the 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 Roger Federer commercial where he's got like the like the wagon of trophies that he's pulling from the private plane? It's like, it's, like massive, like there's like a hundred trophies in there. Like totally. I imagine myself like pulling the trophies behind me. And you know, they weigh a lot. And he's like, you don't have to give the trophies back. He's like, if you don't do anything tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you will still be the Washington Post bestselling author of, you will still be White House appointee at, he's like, you will still be serial entrepreneur of, he's like, you will still have all those things. He goes, and imagine how much lighter you will feel if you don't have to carry the trophies everywhere you go. Right. And I was like, holy shit, that was a sermon. Like, okay. And just the idea that we are not like, I don't know about you, but it was drilled into my mind that I'm only as good as my last client. I'm only mm-hmm. as good as my last success. I'm only as good as my last kill shot. Like I'm only as good. That's only as good as the truth is nobody's paying that much attention to us to see that we've been gone. Like nobody's waiting on my newsletter. If I forget to send it out on Tuesday, they're not going to be like, where's Laura's newsletter? Nobody cares. Yeah. I just don't Nobody's- care. And, and when people project on us that like, if you stop running, everyone's going to disappear. It's because they're afraid that if they stop running. So I think we just, I don't know. I think we all need to like take it down a notch, know that we're not that important, know that people aren't really paying that much attention. And just if things feel overwhelming and hard, you're still the sum of everything that's come to date. Right. You don't lose any of that. Right. And, and if you're burning out, you can like, you know, nobody really knows the true formula yeah. for how much time you can take off. And it's really based on what you've accomplished, you know, to date and who yes. you are and also how you frame things. And nobody really knows what's going on inside of you. So mm-hmm. they don't know when they're giving you advice about how much time to take or not take, they don't know like how deep your burnout really runs. And I would posit that most of us who are in burnout don't know how deep our burnout really runs because mm-hmm. we're so busy running that we don't have time to actually examine it until we stop. And then we're like, oh. Yeah. No, wow. that's true. Yeah. It's so much easier to look back on, as the Steve Jobs saying goes, connect the dots and sort of, of that's course. where I was in, in that period for sure. So you're speaking to uh, your your younger self, sort of knowing that you've sort of had these moments where you were getting yourself to hustle even more, what would you tell yourself? (laughs) Uh, Well, I would tell myself, uh, I would tell myself that if I'm collecting trophies for people who I don't actually respect, Mm -hmm. I should stop working so hard to impress those people. I think I spent a lot of time in my youth collecting the gold stars and the trophies and the the accolades and all of that to be important to people who aren't actually important to me. 
And it's not until, you know, I'm 52 now and it's not until I got through what my mom calls the FU 40s that I was like, oh, yeah, I don't actually care. I don't actually care if that person thinks I'm good or not. Like they're not paying my bills. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. But it's easier to be, it's easier said now, you know, from 52 than it was from 22 or from 18. Uh, But yeah, I think that's what I would tell myself is that I, I don't work so hard to impress people who don't impress you. Yeah, no, I love it. So the overarching message you want to leave with people with Wonder Hell. The overarching overarching message I want to leave people with is that Wonder Hell is kind of a sneaky bastard. By the time you're in it, you're stuck. Like you've mm-hmm. already seen your potential. You're trapped. There's nothing you can do. You are already in it. But Wonder Hell only presents itself to people who are worthy of it. So you wouldn't see that potential if you didn't know you were capable of it and know that there was a possibility to get there. So bad news, you're stuck in Wonder Hell. Good news, you are worthy of Wonder Hell. Yeah, well, I love it. And it made me really kind of think um, a lot. And I mean that in, you know, as I was going through the book, because I love all the different stories you have in there too. And, you know, it's it's along the lines, but not really. Misery is company, right? Where you're seeing <laughs> that other people um, are going through these phases. So it's not just you going crazy or trying to figure out if you've been out of the workforce for too long or you know right. what you should be doing next or whatever. And I think that there's just a lot of really, really good. It It's one of these books where it just really has you thinking about things. And anyway highly encourage people. I would say if misery is company, then company is knowledge. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, and it's, it's inspiration, I think, to get you deeper into, into thinking about things. I think, I don't know. I just find there's, there's a few books that just kind of get you thinking like that. Like, yeah. Cause I think as you said, like you can connect the dots backwards, but I think so many people, so many stories are told, like he started Facebook at his garage or in his dorm room in college, or he started, you know, Google in his garage and look now it's a multi-billion dollar company. Yay. But nobody talks about the messy middle, right? The time in between. And so that's why I, you know, I so enjoyed the conversations I had with all those people. I so enjoyed our conversation about it. And, and just the messy middle is the part that I, we just need to shine more light on because Mm -hmm. that's the really lonely part. That's the hard part, but that's, I mean, it's where the magic happens. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of insight and, and uh, we'll have all the stuff in the show notes for where to get a hold of the book, but it's available in uh, any bookstore around as well as Amazon and all the usual places, but we'll make sure to have all that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thanks again, Laura. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. 
Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.